0: Baseball fans, welcome back to episode number three of Blue Sox Banter. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the on-field prospects for the Sydney Blue Sox for season 2021. And no better person to do that than the on-field manager, Shane Barclay, an old mate of mine, Bucket. Welcome to uh, the latest episode of Blue Sox Banter.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us, Aris. How's things?
0: It's been a very different world uh, that we're living in at the moment. I'm sure the preparations... For an ABL season in a in a COVID period, are a little bit different.
1: Well, yeah, they are a, a fair bit, I guess. The, you know, there's that little bit of uncertainty we've had through the whole thing, and you just got to get head down, bum up, and and try and focus on. Uh, and and I think the the whole club we're doing all we're we're doing it all very pretty well. The same is we're just focusing day by day that we're going to be there and we're going to be. Uh, ready to play on the 18th of December. And well, that's that's one of the big differences. The other one is probably um, the recruitment and the amount of players' imports that have been reaching out this year. It's been... It, it'd, it'd be four times as many as last year. I suppose there's not yeah. a lot of baseball being happening around the
0: world at the moment. Australia is going to be one of those places. So no doubt there's plenty of pro ball players right around the world looking for a place to play
1: it's a it's a two or three hour job a day melly uh, or it is a couple of times a week because guys you can't help they're still human beings and you're trying to say well look we're pretty full at the moment we'll keep you on the list but you don't feel like just ignoring their messages because they've taken a, a a long time to prepare it but yeah look i, I think i've spoken to probably probably 16 different managers with stables as well as individuals reaching out um, and those stables have been, have been from three or four players to to 60 or 70 players they've been you know they've been really small there's a really small agent in Redondo Beach to a massive enterprise that we've been dealing with in Chicago as well
0: we're going to get into the recruitment and what this ball clubs going to look like this season but I want to go back quite a bit for you and you've been around baseball forever and there's probably plenty of people who are listening to this podcast who know your journey. There's probably plenty who don't as well, but let's go back to the start. Where did this passion, I know it's a passion. Where does this passion for baseball come from? Where did it all start?
1: Um, it was cricket in the off season and under, under 14s or something like that. And um, one of the, a guy, a late, a late gentleman, you know, Russell Newell, I think, um, he I, I can remember turning up and I hit, first, first ball I hit, I hit for a home run and um, he said, this kid hits like a Carrow kid and I didn't know what a Carrow kid was, it was a Carrington kid and I thought, uh, oh, geez, I must be good if I can, <laughs> if I hit like a Carrow kid and, and, and you know, Russell's passion was, was amazing. Um, we just lost another man recently, Roy Watson, he was my, first coach played Claxton Shield for Western Australia and Sheffield Shield for Western Australian cricket. And um, I think after a season with those two, being around those two, um, what was cricket? You know, it just grew from there. And in a time where I
0: suppose, I suppose baseball is still not exactly the number one sport in Australia, but, and I suppose I went down a similar path. You start with cricket We've fallen into baseball through, I suppose, our club affiliation with, with Belmont, a cricket club, then Belmont Baseball Club. It's amazing how that passion for a sport that a lot of people didn't really know about, and particularly growing up, it um, it becomes an all-consuming part of your life.
1: Oh, yeah, for, look, for sure. And, and it's who you're surrounded by, too. You know, you talk about Russell, and if you didn't, if you weren't passionate about baseball being around him, and then, you know, Ian Lewis after that, and... Um, and, yeah, first two first-grade coaches were, were Gary Heggie and Gary Williams and, you know, were grade coaches. And, you know, Gary Williams, Glenn's father, was still one of the best baseball players I've ever seen and pound for pound, I don't know if I've, um, you know, I, I just thought he was he was God. And, and he didn't teach you a lot technically. In those days, he just led by example and you got that. And then you got Gary Heggie who also played, might have played for Australia but he certainly played Claxton Shield who his passion for the game and he he was just a really smart baseballer and technically he taught me more than you'd ever know and then you know a couple of years you know I I probably still am but I was an extreme hothead in those days and then you had the calming influence come along of Ian Anderson who you know had played for Australia left-hand pitcher apparently was a firehead when he was a kid too and um, and getting to play, play with sticks for a, for a period of time. He, he was a great calming influence and a, and a great teacher and mentor. You got
0: into, into coaching at a pretty young age. You were, you were coaching junior representative teams in your 20s. How did that transition from, from player to coach happen?
1: Um, well, as you know, I probably could hit all right, but I wasn't never going to be the greatest Player and I always had this aspiration of playing Claxton Shield or whatever. And I I probably realised I was I I dislocated knee, um, getting jammed on a pitch, and um, it took me eighteen months to get really get better. And I was probably at the peak of my hitting, hitting then. And I I, I think I realised then I wasn't. I was probably going to be in the top half dozen third baseman in the state, but maybe. But I was never going to be. be good enough to play you know to play claxton shield and i i don't know my wife's a teacher i I love being around kids and i just started coaching juniors and and uh and loved it and because you want to be the best you can i guess in anything i knew the best i i could be was never going to be anything as a player um by the time i was 22 23 and and i focused on being the best i could as a coach and um yeah and, and got some great opportunities along the way where i was like uh, bradbury you know my first australian job i think uh you know they probably asked about six before me because it was a late dropout and uh i i, I think i went walked down the best uh, births and marriages and and demanded they gave me a visa or a passport straight away and i wasn't leaving until i got it and um and then, you know, once you've got a foot in the door, it's hard to kick, it kick you out. It, it becomes a passion, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it has. And, and it
0: did. You must look back now, and, I, and this is sounding a little bit like the end of the career, and it's certainly not supposed to be like that, but I, I suppose you must look back at, at some of the players that, that you've had the chance to, to coach over the, over the course of your career to date. You've coached guys at National League through the old Hunter Eagles days who've gone on to play you know, in um, in World Series and with World Series in Major League Baseball, Australian junior representatives, Australian senior representatives. It, it must be a, a great sense of satisfaction seeing players like that, and and if you've even had a hint of an impact on their life,
1: it must be a great feeling. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. That I guess everyone does this for for a reason, and just that little bit of satisfaction inside you get when someone really does well. You know, Roland Smith making into the bigs. Snelling, you know, just just what an uh, amazing talent. Um, and then, you know, and, and even having just, a, a, not that I had any impact, but to think that you coach for a couple of days, Preston Wilson, who, um, you yeah, know, just simply the best athlete I've ever seen, who, you know, I, I think he was runner-up and Roberto Clemente as runner-up and rookie of the year over there, one of the first guys to go 30-30, uh, in his in his rookie year, um, yeah, yeah, you, that's what you, that's what you live off, you know. And and even today, I think every Australian, you know, every time every time Hendricks takes Hendrix takes the mound, even though you know I coached against him, you know, a couple of times, and and probably only met him once, you just uh, once or twice, and you just go, how good's that, you know? We, we own that we own that guy out there.
0: I coached Ryan Roland Smith in an under fourteen Newcastle rep side a long time ago. I'm claiming him for all of his big
1: league success. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it, it's, he, um, Roland Roland Smith Roland Smith what people might know Roland Smith could have gone either way. Uh, he really could have gone either way. I remember having him an under sixteen Newcastle team, and his mum dragged him up to me and uh, and I said, "What's he got to do? What's he got to do?" And he and and I, you could just tell at the time the steel in his eye, and I said, "Look, he's just he's just got to work harder." Because in Newcastle or in any country area, you haven't got five great athletes beside you pushing you pushing you as hard as they they can. You're a big fish in a, a small a big fish in a in a small barrel, and you're just sitting there. And if and there's been a lot of guys you've seen in in, in country areas where they haven't achieved what they should have. Because they'd been satisfied with being that king in the smaller in the smaller area, and Roland Smith that day, I, I still remember that day um, as good as anything. And I don't know if Ryan would, but I could just tell that day that he was into something special in the future because you just saw the determination that I'm I'm going to make that adjustment. I think it was after a pretty average series he'd had. Uh, it was it was amazing. Yeah, he's been uh, an incredible talent.
0: And just a great bloke as well. And it's great to see him still flying the flag for baseball, for Australian baseball over there in America and doing some great things. You, um, you sort of progressed through the ranks. You, you coach, coached the New South Wales Claxton Shield side, some success. You, you raised the, uh, the shield there with the New South Wales side. You move into um, into the early days of the, the Australian Baseball League. You had seven or eight years away from it. How did you come back to being, um, being part of the Blue Sox last year?
1: I don't know. When I when when I left the sport and Willow took over as the coach, uh, I actually tried to walk away completely. I started playing bowls and I still hung around the club a little bit, but I didn't want to do anything in Sydney because I know as a coach, you don't want someone looking over your shoulder and not the Willows like that in any way, but um, I certainly didn't want to, um, anyone to see me in the stands looking down, critiquing, um, critiquing the person uh, that's replaced you. Um, so I, I just played bowls, and then Adam had, had discussions with me at some stage, and uh, just rang me up out of the blue. And I wasn't really inter- I wasn't really interested. You know, if things didn't go right. Would you consider things? And I, I wasn't that interested, and then my daughter Emily, as you know is um, got even less ability than me, but just loves the game <laughs> um, She went crazy when when that, and and in the end um when it when it did come around from Adam um by the time that I was just champing at the bit, I really really was but it was funny i I'd gone from being content at what I'd achieved, and now. Um yeah, I know Adam and New South Wales might not be around that long, but I'd like to be doing this in 25 years now again. It's like an addiction. Yeah, it is.
0: You get that you get that taste, you get that sniff again and, and it all comes flooding back.
1: Yeah, yeah you're hundred percent right. How did you 100- find it?
0: How did you find it when with that seven years off you, you, you come back into the into the game in that head coaching role? Had the game changed any? Had had you seen any, any significant differences in the game? I,
1: I think there were a few. And I think also, uh, like anyone, um, you're a little bit tentative in your first year. You, you're not sure exactly what has changed. And I've tried to sit back and watched. And the, one of the great things we had is we've got a fantastic support staff. And the only the thing I demanded was naturally to add Ox to it because... Um, I, I've had a lot to do with Chris over a long period of time and I trust him with my life. He's a, he's a little bit like me. He's over the top passionate at times um, and driven um, and he complimented us well, but the existing coaching staff, as you know, they're, they're just quality human beings and, and, and they allowed me just to, to, to tread slowly at the start. But um I think the biggest yeah the 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 big difference of course is um, the data data driven performance enhancement you know and and I even look now and and after a year here and you know I'm still in my infancy I'm, I'm out of my, I'm out of my depth on it and uh, I'm just learning and and probably Australia is not like I'm sure that a lot, a lot of guys know a lot more about it than me but um, yeah we're in our infancy and and that was probably the, I don't know if it's good to lead into the Rachel thing, you know, the, the Rachel thing, um, thing come about from Jason Phillips, who played in the big leagues with, with the Mets and a few other organisations and uh, married a Newcastle girl. Um, and we've remained friends. I was groomsmen at his wedding. And he called me up about four months ago and said, oh, listen, there's a young girl who coaches with us at the Yankees because he's now coaching with Trenton Thunder uh and said so she's um she's legit and she uh, she's looking for a pathway and she hasn't done much bench coaching um or or, or 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 actual one-on-one coaching stuff with individuals yet she's been appointed by the yankees but she hasn't actually got to to, to do a great deal because spring was cut short and i went oh yeah, yeah he's you know probably a token or something like that Anyway, I think the Zoom meeting went for about the first three minutes of the Zoom meeting, you go, wow, Rachel's not male, female, anything else. She's just one intelligent human being who has been so driven to get where she's got uh, in a number of ways. And I know I hope you, I think you're going to try and catch up with her in a couple of weeks and you'll be, you'll be amazed. You'll just sit there and you go, how good is this girl? And She's not pretentious in any way. She's, she's sure of what she believes in. She has studied it to the nth degree. She, she's a good girl. So, so adding that as a compliment this year to our... I'm so excited about that. And, um, she's got me on learning this, that and everything so we can use that to improve our players um, to, and hopefully add to Australian baseball in
0: general. Yeah, I spoke to Adam last week about uh, Rachel Balkovich and you, int- well, you introduced me to her via her Instagram feed and I had no idea who she was, but you said, you need to look this up. You need to Google this girl and find out more about her. Uh, I've never met her. I've seen her videos. She can lift serious weights, but the, the, the stuff that she puts in her Instagram feeds, the motivational, the inspirational um, content, uh, as you say the determination the drive and her st- I can't wait to talk to her about her story this is a this is a woman who got knocked back by every major league organization in America by having the name Rachel balkovich on her on her CV She changed her name to Ray and then all of a sudden the calls started flooding in it, it's an incredible story that, that we're going to uh, we're going to touch on with her in a couple of episodes time but as you say what she's bringing to the table here with the Sydney Blue sox we're sort of stepping away from the old days, the old Bull Durham days of "this is a simple game: you throw the ball, yeah. you hit the ball, you catch the ball." The sports science and, and the evolution of baseball, while well, it's been one of the great things about baseball, it stayed the same for a long time. But it's great to see it evolving through, I suppose, technology and, and sports science.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and and it's like anything. I mean, one thing you just touched on, Rachel, again, that what you what you've seen on Insta is all the fluff. Then when you talk to her and you start talking about particular situations or particular strengths or weaknesses with hitters and stuff, that's when you really, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there with all that fluff and then there's the substance underneath it. And that's what is so impressive about, about Rachel. It's not just, it's not just, um, you know, talking the talk. It's, it's, it's actually, she knows the stuff, but, yeah, I think. Look, I think that's undoubtedly huge, and and look, I, I think we've seen it already, especially we see it in post season. I think we've we've introduced this into the game, and it's and now every club is caught up, and basically every club is caught up in this arms race, and you know, and for a while the scouts were feeling like there's no purpose for them and the eye. You know, it was no longer about the eye. It was all about everything data driven, and I think we're starting to see the start of it. But eventually, I think it'll come back where that that stuff will be used in, in its proper in the proper way. It's meant to be. It will, but but it'll claw back a bit and gut feeling and um, and, and certain situations will come back in the game. Where, um, I even talked to Rachel the other day about you know there's no place for the, in, in the world for the bunt anymore. It's gone. Um, mm. However, however, when we get into some of these one-run ball games in postseason, uh, the last two years, all of a sudden, that bunts popping up every now and uh, now and then again, isn't it? So, you know, we'll claw back when we need to run. We'll claw back in in different ways. I suppose a lot of baseball fans. Um, would have watched
0: the Moneyball movie, read the book yeah. and, and the Billy Bean story, and and he, and he was a pioneer in that uh, you know, that data-driven selections. Let's throw the scouts. We're not gonna, we're gonna we're not gonna pick a guy because he has a good looking or a bad looking girlfriend, or because anything about him. We're gonna do this on numbers. Now, obviously, Billy Bean in the Oakland A's, that they, they took that to an extreme and and it did kind of pull back, but all these clubs are now looking for that edge, and this is where it's going to come down to. It's not just, it can't just be all about gut feel. It can't all be about the data, but it, it, we're moving to a point now where it's,
1: it will be a combination of those, as you said. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think um, my 101 lesson there last year was um, a guy I had a lot to do with, and I always thought he was one of the most intelligent players I'd ever coached was, was Andy Graham. And Andy and I are pretty. Pretty close. We might talk for a while, and then we'll we'll talk and have a catch up. And he he said, you know, this book and this book, you read that, and there's your there's your saber metrics for dummies, basically. Uh, read those two books, and then we'll talk again. You know, and um, but yeah, it's a different. It's it, it's certainly it's certainly a different game. All these years on, and you're still learning about baseball. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, um, yeah.
0: let's have a look at a little bit about this season. There's been um. Plenty of announcements that's come out of Blue Sox headquarters in, in recent weeks and months. I think the most exciting one is, is the linking with the New York Mets in, in the old ABL days when in the, in the late eighties, early nineties affiliation with, with major league clubs was a big part of, of the league. It kind of went away from that, but we're heading back down that path again. Tell us about how the city Blue Sox linked firstly with the New York Mets this year.
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because um you know, probably Hoskins and Acuna Jr. and those guys—they mightn't have been great players when they—they they, they mightn't have set the world on fire out here, uh, Didi. Um They—they played good, don't get me wrong. But they, you know, if we—if we don't have have prospects out here, then we don't get that future publicity. You know, we're dying off. Reese Hoskins and still the Blue Sox, you know, and. um so I guess when you have affiliation, there are a couple of things. You'll get a little bit more inexperienced kids. They're at the earlier part of their career. Um, they're, they're certainly more well driven. Yeah, they're, they're, they're driven in slumps a little bit more, I think I'd say, than your um, you average. In, I'm not saying every indie guy, if they don't perform um, well in the first month or two, Um don't turn it around, but a lot of them, uh, the drive, the drive can lose focus. And so I don't think, don't say it's in, that's happened with our guys, but I think you look around the league over the years, it probably happens. Um, but the other thing is if you can get some financial support from these in that uh, and some coaching support or, or, or support in other ways, um, it's always an advantage. And, um, I know we had the Mets with the Hunter Eagles. You'd remember back in the mm-hmm. olden days, um, but but this journey was was incredible. I think Adam Adam agreed that early early probably in February. I think we started talking about this the day after we were not yeah we were we were no longer going to be in the playoffs uh, about what what this year had look like and when we started planning for this year. And, you know, and you had all this, oh, no, so-and-so from, you could get your affiliation. So-and-so could, so we chased them all up and we got nothing, you know, and there were, the contacts all of a sudden dried up or they were, they were scouts who didn't know people in the front office. So we just went through, I think I picked 20 clubs because there were 10 that already had affiliation or, or they had scouts that were tied up with Melbourne or Adelaide. And and we just went to an Nesto Hernandez, who's the uh, MLB uh, admin admin guy there, and he sent me back twenty contacts, and we just cold called and we didn't get a lot of we didn't get a lot of traction, and then we got one or two, and then when COVID hit, a couple more. I'd, I'd sent out a secondary letter to all of those people, uh, and we finished up speaking with sixteen clubs, and. We got down to it went back and forward, and then Mets were on the table, and then Mets were off the table it was a change of ownership of their big, their whole club going on, and there was uncertainty there. I still had a tie up from Bobby with Bobby Floyd that you probably know is now seventy eight, and he's still a special instructor with the Mets. Uh, I, I, I dare say he's played a little bit of a role here, and and the next thing the next thing you know is through these COVID times. We started getting a little bit more serious with them and two other clubs. And then Jared Banner, who's been great, the, the, who's the player player development manager, um, He it got to a stage where, are we going to do this or aren't we? And uh, thankfully, they they come on board. And it's really been so far the same as it was in the 90s. They're the same club. It's, you know... In the nineties, we might have been successful as a club, but with the Mets, we were so successful that that they got it that we needed to compete, and we got it. We're getting it that we need to develop their players for them and and provide them a good facility. Um, you know, they, they'll send out a coach this year. The coach is a, a young coach he's already managed a fair bit. He's played five or six years in the uh, in the minor leagues. Um, Bobby again said to me this guy will be a class act I've had one, one, one hour Zoom with him and it's been fantastic. They're sending a couple of pitchers, um, The two of the pitchers, well, I think we've named Mitchell is another right-hander to come as well um, they're going to be real handy for us. I've, I've been on the phone to their uh, minor league pitching coordinator, Ricky Minehold this week for an hour and a half just talking about what we're trying to achieve for these players, What um, how how we can use them best that suits us, but gets, gets um, the best for them as well. Um, so, so far, the Mets thing's already, already looking great for, from my point of view.
0: And it's a great testament to, to what yourself and Adam are doing with the ball club as well. These major league org- organisations are entrusting the Sydney Blue Sox to look after their players and help with their progress and development they're not going to send them to anywhere. Well, they could send them to anywhere in the world where there's baseball playing at the moment. But to entrust these guys with a city Blue socks is a great credit to the club and what you're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But, they, you know, like you said, they can send them anywhere at the moment too. And I think what we, you know, it's strange. And it's strange for 20 years on, I think, you know, one remaining guy at that Met's, the trust you build up there for, for 20, you know, and the friendships you build up there knows that that we won't promise anything we can't deliver. Mm. Um, now, now we've got to deliver it. But again, we've got to restart start again. And what we, what we told these guys we're going to give them, we've got to give it to them. Uh, and and at the other end, they've got to, they've got to keep supplying us players. If, if this goes on, we're going to hope that they, they keep supplying players that can contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and these guys that we're going to, the, the five we've got coming over, uh, all in their early times, but, you know, you know, that old virus, you know, like 2.9 millers as a seven-year-old, a 17-year-old, that's like unheard of. Incredible. Yeah. The tie-up with the, with the Mets
0: is outstanding. There's also, I suppose, a, an league. Unofficially- with the, the Detroit Tigers this year. Um, we've got some guys coming out from from that organization. Tell us about that, uh, how that
1: association come about and the players they're sending. Yeah, not not at all. It, believe it or not, I told you we've had, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people reaching out. Um, there's been no tie-up at all with Detroit. It's been purely coincidental that these guys are being the best, best guys for the job. Um, mm. Uh, in in our eyes, I'm just, you know in our eyes what they were available, uh, when they were available. Robson was a guy we identified early. That was through Grazer That was through Andy Graham. Um, you know he can play number one, number two. He's a quality individual. Have a Zoom meeting with him. Yeah, look, Adam. If there's one guy we want, we want this. We want this guy. Um, come at an affordable price. Um, tremendous human being at the same time um, had Kirk's son cam as everyone calls him, but he's a great ball player in his own, own rights. And, and I'd reached out and then all of a sudden he just wanted to come out here and he would do anything he could to come out here. And then you talk, you hear about his passion to play the game and he's playing good double A baseball right now. Um, He's, He's got the same character his old man displays, uh, or displayed on a park that you see. Um, I think Grace's words to me were, "I'll bet you any money that every night, when you look for the dirtiest, dirtiest uniform, it'll be Cam Gibson." Um, so you go, "What are we trying to build?" And what you know, what are we trying to build now and going forward? We've built an Australian bunch of people with who are just. Quality human beings working hard. We've got kids 17 and 18 there, or we'll go to college, but they're still part of our program. Um, we've got experienced old heads, quality human beings. We're a good bunch of Australians who are, who are, are really not just good baseballers, but good people. Now we're complementing them with, with real quality uh, imports, um, and then Joe Naville. We were. You know where are we light? We're light a little bit at the back end of, of the bullpen. Um, we spoke to. We probably got down to a short list of about four later inning guys, um, and through recommendations and speaking to different people, we had one or two went off the radar after after getting some cross checks on them, and and um, and there was never any. Thing other than saying that Joe Navalhone's an absolute gamer, um, and again, you'll speak. You might speak to him before the start of the season. Quality, quality blow. Um, Some great
0: signings already, but uh, I think we've got an exclusive for the listeners of the uh, the Blue Sox Band a podcast. A new signing, of a fan favorite, who's going to be back
1: this season. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well. Um, yeah to me that's exciting um alex Maestri, i think, think's a fan favorite he certainly without doubt i've never coached a more professional human being in my life um he's a quality pitcher he's just a quality human being uh he is a uh, he is a fierce competitor uh nothing's ever a trouble for him and and to say that we're we're getting him back this year is Is probably a thing I think everyone in the team is just stoked about or will be stoked about. Um, You can't say enough about Alex and I think uh, anyone who's watched him the last two years before he he punched the hell out of the ground at at Altona, (laughs) um, I think everyone would be the same as me. Well, I was going to say it was
0: a disappointing end of last season. I suppose a bit of unfinished business for him as well, wanting to come back and, and be part of it again this year.
1: Yep, from day one, he wanted to be part of this and wanted to be back. Um, he's had an outstanding season. Uh, in the, they, they did play in the Italian League and the Italian League has some good baseballers in it. Uh, and and he's dominated there. Um, he's not young anymore and he's got a little... You know, and, and it is but it's every, you know, one year at a time for him, I guess. But, you know, if he pitches like he has the last two years, he can, he can come back. He might be he beat Ando for age by the time he finishes.
0: <laughs> now or, Ox,
1: if,
0: or Ox Or I'm sure if you asked Oxfam, he'd come out the bullpen again this year, just you know, if required. He, he'll be always ready to go. But in terms of signings, there has been no bigger signing. I think in the history of Australian baseball... Than the signing of, of Manny Ramirez, we we spoke to Adam Dobb last week about how that came about. Tell us about the uh, the call that you had with Adam when he rings you to say, "Hey, Bucket, I've got I've got a potential DH for you." What do you reckon about Manny Ramirez?
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty funny because the first email didn't come to him. It. It, it, it the agent sent it to Richard Harris and and to me and. Uh, I think the flicked that on, said, oh, you wouldn't be interested in this or something like that. <laughs> we said no, and he was a, blues, a Red Sox fan. Um, but, um, yeah, there's no doubt about Adam's passion. And, and I don't think Blue Sox are the love of his life. I think Red Sox top Blue Sox. So uh, it was... It was—he it was like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> it was beautiful to watch, actually.
0: Well, he said when um, he first received the email, the first, his first thought was, "This is—this can't be legit. There's no way in the world—is is, Manny Ramirez coming to play with my with my baseball team?" And and sure enough, he's landed the big fish.
1: Yeah, and and I think Manny had changed agents, so uh, at some stage. Or, or we had someone from that agency different. So the name, without saying too much, on that age on that email, um, wasn't the name when we started googling to try and find out if it was legit. It wasn't the name we would have expected um, up, up on there. So I think that 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 led that led Adam to sort of think whether we we drew him up or or, or something that. Yeah, he really couldn't believe it, and then then we got in the Zoom call. And and look, I I had my apprehension a little bit about you know what he could bring to the ball club in a, in a couple of ways. I'm just trying to think of how we're going to win ball games. And within five minutes of being on a Zoom with him, that was arrest, It was all arrested. It it wasn't going to be a freak show. It was going to be this guy's coming here to play. I asked Adam the same
0: question about when you had that first zoom call with him and and you Adam and yourself were both on it when you're you're a baseball fan you've watched this guy come through you've seen him watch you've seen him win two world series if you're sitting there in front of your screen and Manny Ramirez pops up there and says hello Shane how are you how was that moment
1: yeah look it's it's really it it was really really cool I gotta I gotta say I I really try to take emotion out of it but I I really try and you know what I'm like, and it's all about winning, winning games um, and doing whatever we can to win games. So you try to take that out of it, and, uh, and my daughter's mad. i, I probably follow the Yankees myself, so um, if, if there's not an Australian in it, my favourite team's always, you know, right now it's Oakland, while they're, well, they're in it, or the Twins, and, and then if not, you do fall back to the Yankees. Um, and when we went to Yankee Stadium with my friend, uh, a few friends in the, in the, probably about two thousand and eight, I picked up this t-shirt. You know, they, they got the, all the t-shirts out the front of Yankee Stadium, the illegal t-shirts, and and it was just this. Um, and I was only going, I wore it under, and I, I didn't have the, I, I didn't have the gumption to take it off at the time, but it, it was like. Hey, idiot! There was no curse. Boston just sucked for eighty-six years. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be game enough to do this to lighten it up, and I—I I, I wasn't because I was so enthralled with the with the guy and the way he spoke and the way he he really delivered that. I'm it, this is no gimmick. I'm here to play baseball. So I, I think, yeah, that that was a real good moment for me. As exciting as you are to, to talk to Manny Ramirez at the end of the day, I you know, I want to win games. And uh, and you're going, is this going to be a distraction? And and now, of course, it's going to have us little things through the year. It we, we, we'll, we'll handle it. I will handle it because I know that it's not a distraction for him. Um, he's 48 years of age now. He's, he's
0: been out of Major League Baseball for a few years. You said he's still hitting all the time. Uh, he's still well and truly involved. What role do you see Manny Ramirez playing
1: with the Blue Sox this year? Look, he'll do H for us. We've got to... And funny, I, I don't know if you, if Adam mentioned it, but he's actually reached out to Rachel for a, a couple of mechanical tips. And Rachel's yeah. looking at it and going, oh, that swing's just, You know, it's just so natural. You know, her... She's very much on... Um, she's very much on focus, of release points and getting timing from that. And she sees that's the thing that being eight years away from the game, he's going to have to really adjust to that quick. So we've just got to get him as many ABs and maybe that's in state league or something like that if we get him out early enough and and get him enough where on a machine where the ball's ramped up to 90, 94, 95, because, you know, the eyes are a little older and, and he hasn't played Against that that sort of VLO. it's not like hitting off of someone throwing BP at you anymore. So that's going to be the challenge, and I think it'll be a it could be a challenge in the first series or two. I think what we're going to see what what, what we're going to get, we'll know by about series three. You know, we, he's going to know, but I fully expect that he's going to bowl a hit. I want to be there that day
0: when Manny Ramirez turns up and plays state league baseball in Sydney. Let's not tell anyone that it's going to happen and just see the opposition pitcher as, as Manny steps up to the plate. That, uh, that will be a sight to be held. And, uh, you know, a second grader coming up into first grade and getting hit 14 suburbs uh, out of the ballpark um, off Manny Ramirez. i more never be more delighted to get hit for a home run. But, um, yeah, let's,
1: let's not tell anyone about that and, uh, and just spring him out there one day. Um, I think he, you might agree. I think you might have been a game at uh, Marathon Stadium that was similar to that. If anyone had ever seen Phil Dahl warm up when Phil was 36, 37, it was that you thought you were going to be playing against a, a, a seventh grader. He, <laughs> he, he was the worst. It was terrible to watch. And, and you thought this old man, up And I think I think we led off, it might have been Adam Morrissey, went on to play double, uh, double A with the Cubs. And, and Morrissey's only 15 at the time. We went... Hey, look at that old bloke. He obviously doesn't know what he's doing. And the first three fastballs went past him and he was back on the bench before he knew what had happened. It was funny, man. Similar story.
0: Mate, the, um, the, the ball club that you're that you pulling together, there's seems to be a really good mix this year of import players and the local guys. You've got some of those good local guys coming back again.
1: Why can the Sydney Blue Sox make it through to the, the final series this year? I think right now and 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 again, what you can't guarantee you win anything. what you what you can do is build a good a good team of players ability wise and you can play build a great team personality wise and and closeness wise. I think what we've got what we've built now, what we've started to really build is, We're building a tight unit. The Australians, we've had three, three or four get-togethers. It's just that any player in the team would tell you we've got a different feel this year. Um, I know the guys who signed. I I can't know the Mets guys, but I've spoken to them all individually already, and I I think they're all the same, but definitely the Detroit guys. Um, When they come together, we're going to have something pretty special as far as human beings are concerned, and we know they can play. Now, if we do that year in, year out, from here on in, we can't say we're going to win it this year, next year, or or any year. You don't know what the opposition bring. You don't know what happens on on, on the final day. But what you do know is you built, you built a club that is going to be knocking on the door every day, and we've done that now. It, it's, it's there. It's arrived. Talk to anyone... In, inside this club now and you yeah, go, wow, we've, we've got a club now. Mm. We genuinely have a club. It, it must be exciting for you. you
0: you're a winner. You, you've been involved with a lot of winning teams and, and, and winning ball clubs. You know what it takes to win. You see what, what, uh, when teams don't, don't perform. I, I can see you've got that real feeling that this is,
1: this is something special. Yeah, you know, we've even even in lower levels. There's times when you can build a thing that you you don't call a dynasty, but you've built something that that now it doesn't matter whether it's me, whether it's Adam, it doesn't matter what it is. We've now started and we've got in place where where these young guys will go go and go to college and come back, and we've got a club there that. You have the ability to just keep on doing this now with what's built here. I think is something now that you just you, you can switch in and out me or or Adam or or any any individual player, and it's just going to keep. I, I think it'll start to roll now. I, I really do. Um, I, I believe it a hundred percent. And that's not taking away anything from anyone beforehand. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying. These human beings now are the basis of, uh, of something special.
0: Have you had a chance to cast your eye over the, the league and the opposition to see what uh, who, where the biggest threats are going to come from this year?
1: Look, it's a bit quiet at the moment because mm. of COVID and, and, and a few other things. There's been a couple of announcements made. One or two of them are just probably untrue. Um, a couple of them have... Uh, there's some players there that... That if we wouldn't have a Mets affiliation, those players would have been playing playing for us. Um, and um, but there's not a lot of substance there yet. So so you real we are a little bit in the dark. I I think at the moment. And and again, while, yeah. Look, you know, I look around. I'm, I'm I'm I think we're all as a club just more concerned about being what we can be. Uh, and and that's a thing that. I think it's going to be our trademark this year that we're, we're, we're just going to be focused on us and and what we can do and what we can do to be the best we can on every day and not let any any little issues that, that are going to come up because this is not the big leagues. This is, this is minor league baseball. There's going to be things go wrong every day. And if we're going to go and stress about about you know those balls aren't white or uh, or whatever other little thing can can go wrong, then we're not going to win anything. It's a very different looking world
0: at the moment with COVID, and we've seen all the dramas that the the winter codes have endured to to get on the field to prepare and to play. This is probably a whole, presents a whole list of challenges for you. How is it coming together? plenty of signings, but in terms of preparation for the team at the moment, how's that going, looking ahead to the, the
1: start of this season? Yeah, well, uh, again, our preparation has been a little bit limited and now we've got State League starting. Hopefully in the next week or two, we'll we'll be uh, on, to, on to BOP or Blacktown um, and starting to train. We'll go Tuesday, Thursday, probably for those seven weeks leading up to... Leading up, start to get our work in. we we've got people scouting every state league game for the guys. You know, I think we've signed. They have all haven't been announced, but we've probably got twenty, nearly twenty Australians signed or agreed to sign. Um, so that's starting to get up to a group of about thirty um, that we've got. Um, all of all of those guys, uh, yeah. This is a year where there's probably going to be a couple of less positions for Australians right throughout the league because there's so much available um, overseas. Everyone's going to be in the same boat, um, so there's going to be a lot of fighting there for uh, for Australian positions. The Manny thing is a is a huge thing for the sport. There's something that couldn't be couldn't couldn't be turned back. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fighting uh, you know, fighting for positions there, but I know they're going to do it all the right way. How exciting
0: is that as a, as a manager to not just have a team where, you, where you're scraping together nine of your best players, but knowing you've got the nine best and there's another half a dozen, if
1: not more, banging down the door to get those spots? Oh, look, it's also the way it's handled. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a, a million outfielders and while... Well, you know, Cam. I've already said to Cam, it might be time to learn to play a little bit of first base, unless something, in case something happens, and you've got to go to first. And when we signed Cam, and there was a lot of, lot of, you know, there's a lot of upside in what we're doing by getting by getting Cam Gibson to the club. Then the first thing you think of is Cambo and Cambo and Solo and Maxi Brennan. They're they're, they're, it's getting a bit harder for them because if the two imports play to their ability, and then then they've got to, then these these Australian guys have got to go and knock on Howie's door and, and try and take his spot. Mm. Uh, and he had and he had three twenty in this league last year. And and just give an example, all of them have handled it really well. You know, it's not like the dummies coming out. You know, um, Solo's been great, Maxi's been great. Cambo, it was like, Oh, don't see how it affects me, mate. Thanks for letting me know. But yeah, I've been the last guy picked most years and, and I'll deal with it. Let's go and get it and let's win this thing. Like it was it was and ins if can be when you're telling a guy that it's gonna be harder to him to play every day, that's been that's been playing nearly every day, and, and you're scared of that conversation, but you wanna tell it let him know before the announcement's made. And then you get that coming back at you. Know, you go, does it get any better? I wouldn't expect anything different from Michael Campbell. No, but but it's the club we've got now. You know, it's yeah, mate. I understand. It's how good's it for the club that we've got. We've got the guy coming out here. It's great. You know, I've just got to work harder. You know, I'll keep working. You know, you can't work harder than Michael Campbell works. And it says something about the
0: culture that's been developed in the club, where you've got a group of guys who come together, realizing and knowing this isn't just about me. This is about the ball club, and whatever we've got to do to win this title, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right. Are you counting
1: the sleeps down to the first uh, to the first game? I'm um, counting the sleeps down to the first full training session. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had a few get-togethers, and it's just been a, a you know as much a team building thing as, as it has been getting the club together. Uh, But yeah, I just can't wait. Um, Yeah. Last year took forever to come. uh, This year is looking the same, but yeah. To say it's exciting times for, for Australian
0: baseball, for Sydney baseball, for yourself and Adam would be a gross understatement. Well done. And congratulations on what you guys have done to, um, to bring us together or bring all this together and get to where we are at the moment. you've been incredibly generous with your time. I asked Adam this question to round out the last episode and I'm going to um, for each one of these episodes, we're all baseball people and, and, and baseball has given all of us so much in many and various ways. I want to find out from you, what is your greatest moment in baseball? Now it could be as a player, as a fan, as a coach, as an administrator. It's a big question, particularly when you've been around baseball as long as you have. But uh, what would you see as your your greatest moment in baseball?
1: Um, you know, it, yeah, it's it's one where you just can't. It's very hard to define. I mean, there's things that I, I you, you'd have with pride. You know, like I think the, the two Claxton Shields were great. Winning a brown uh, winning a bronze medal at the 2000, I think it was 1996 World Championships with a, a, a double-A uh, kids team. Um, and it was, I think, our first real medal at a, a, a World Championship. It was great. Some of the times at Belmont, you know, we, what have we been in the last 30? Uh, since I was a kid, I think they missed out in two first-grade Grand Finals. And, you know, the, the times even after Grand Finals where we've gone... You know what? What turned out to be a couple of days turned into a grand final week because it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and there was a game that I coached, and I probably ch- I probably changed uh, by being an ignorant and uh, inexperienced coach. I probably changed the, the rules of baseball. Young Dwayne Harrison played in a in a uh, in a, a game against South Australia, and we had to win it to qualify in that, I'll say, 90 in Perth. And uh, we won 2-1 in 13 innings of seven in game in 40-degree heat, and there were no pitch restrictions or anything in those days, and I didn't know any better. And Dwayne um, caught six and two-thirds, and then he came out and closed it out in the seventh and, uh, or, or keep us in the game in the bottom of the seventh, went from pitcher to catcher. And he threw six in the third, so he played the whole for thirteen innings. Can you imagine? I'd be going to jail these days for doing <laughs> that. But it, it, as a game, it was it, it was an amazing game of baseball. But yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that probably the best um, two things you were involved in one of them. I think the year we won our last game with the Hunter Eagles to finish second last. Um, with the with what we had to there and the way those guys fought to be to punch against their weight every week of that competition, um, I, I think you, you're, you're shaking your head with me. Yeah. For us to finish second last is probably the biggest achievement that I think I've ever been involved in. Um, and the other one was when we won probably the best to be two thousand and four, two thousand and five. We won it. Then those, those really, really good players we had with New South Wales then uh, moved on and, and went on to the big leagues, some of them. And then we had, I think we missed out the next year. And then the next three years, we transitioned that team from the old, the, well, the baby blues with Parramatta that tended to be the winners for us. And then, and, and then we just build it and build it. And we got beat by Perth 2-1 in the Claxton Shield final. We were, one, we were down incredibly in the semi final three game series against um, Victoria and Victoria, and we, we came back and won that. And then in Perth, we got beat in the last inning uh, of the, th- uh, I think there were three one run ball games we played. We won the first one, dropped the second one. And we had Kins, Timmy Ordy, Ken Dallas, you know, Trent, Wall- Trent Antonio wasn't that old then. We just had a bunch of kids that we turned in and we're playing, you know, Perth were a great club then too and that's the sort of culture I'd like to think we finish up. We're, we're building now the same sort of culture that, that they had then and I think they still have and Andy Kyle will get it back for them now. Um, we, we nearly beat them. We went within that much of beating and they had Hendricks pitching for them. You know, and look at, look at Hendricks now. Luke Hughes was playing for them. D San was was, you know, really starting to line up. The Knilly boys were were just starting to touch their prime. We I'm not saying we were outmatched, but they were a damn good team and, mm. and it was it was great. I was so proud of our blokes to go that close. Even though on the night I'd never would have told you that. I would we were devastated. I mean it was gut wrenching losing that. Uh, but but what, what we what what those guys had built themselves from two years earlier. Uh, and, and played in 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 um, finals, but no, that'd be it. I, I think that'd be that'd be it. It was fantastic. The game's given us plenty, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah it owes us nothing. Yeah, it owes us nothing. Life, sh- Belmont Life, Belmont Life memberships up there too. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's um, got to be right up there, mate. As I said, you've been
0: uh, you've been very generous with your time. It's been so good to catch up and uh, and talk about where you've been and the season ahead it's um i'm sure you are counting down the sleeps to the start and we uh
1: we wish you and adam and the rest of the team all the very best for the upcoming season Mate, thanks thanks for having us and welcome back to the to the sport of baseball mate.
0: great to be back well there you have it uh blue Sox fans that ends our latest episode a big thanks to shane barclay for joining us and giving us some uh, great insights on the season is coming up, some great signings as well. And uh, yeah, I think he's pretty excited about Manny Ramirez being part of it as well. Look, uh, what we need you to do is to rate, review, subscribe, do all those things to make sure our, uh, our podcast shuffle, shuffles up the list of, um, of all those sports podcasts. And we get many, many po- more people listening to it. If everything you need to know about the Sydney Blue Sox, go online to sydneybluesox.com.au. That's all for episode number three. We'll catch you next time on Blue Sox Band. Blue Sox Banter is a Caris Communications production hosted by me, Glenn Hawke, for the Sydney Blue Sox.